Hello everyone and welcome back to the BMW Blog Podcast. This is episode 9. Uh, it's been a really exciting few weeks. I feel like we're getting close to our 10th episode and it's, you know, it's kind of exciting because, uh, you know, we've never done anything like this prior and uh, the fact that we're on 9 episodes is exciting to me. <laughs> Yay! But this week we actually have some fun topics for you. Um, quite a few interesting topics because quite a few interesting things happened this week. Um, by interesting things, I mean like uh, some interesting news in the automotive world, specifically surrounding BMW, and uh, some interesting things that transpired on our site this week. So we want to talk to you a little bit about that. But first, I want to kick off by talking about the BMW M4 GT3. Now, that is an interesting new development because BMW recently just teased uh, the M4 GT3 in like a sort of sketchy style, um, like teaser image. And by sketchy, I mean like it was a sketched drawing of the M4, not like sketchy, like it's going to steal your wallet. Um, but uh, along with the image, uh, they released a press release that sh- that's basically stated the, uh, the M4 GT3 it was built alongside the standard road car M4. And that's a pretty common practice, honestly. Like that's not, you know... Uh, unheard of so that's it's actually a good thing too because you you want the the road car sort of built with you know the race car in mind you want that that performance package to be authentic uh you know it's really authentic for a racetrack and it's not just like you know a standard four series for the road with some you know fancy aerodynamic bits on the outside and some clever marketing you know it's legitimately developed alongside of a race car so, you know what you're getting is an authentic pack- package, so it's nice to see that they were built together, you know, alongside together. But the big news surrounding that, uh, the M4 GT3, was its design. So in the teaser image, we were able to see the top of the kidney grill, or kidney grills, because technically there's two grills, but now they're kind of joined into one, so it's kidney grill, I don't know, whatever. Either way, you get to see the top of them, it, and... It's kind of interesting because we know that the M4 is going to have massive grills. You know, we've seen it on the Concept 4. Uh, we've discussed it with Marcus Flash, the CEO of BMW M. We know the M4 and the M3 as well are going to have, you know, massive kidneys. And the design is really controversial. Some enthusiasts really, really hate it. I mean, after seeing the Concept 4, so many, it got so much criticism. And not just from BMW fans. I mean, Across the board, car journalists and enthusiasts seem to really, really rip on the Concept 4. And I don't know if it's so much that it's bad looking, but it's really jarring. You know, it's it's a it's a really in-your-face grill, and it really strays from like the, the small, much, much, much smaller grills of prior BMWs. And even like the BMW 8 Series, which has a huge grill, has nothing on the Concept 4 and the upcoming M4. Um, you know, it's, it, the 8 Series grill looks positively minute compared to those, or, uh, the, you know, the M4. So it, it's quite shocking. But if you actually look at it, it doesn't look bad, at least to me. I, I think it, it it's not bad looking. It's just a bit odd to see how gigantic the grills have gotten. But when you look at the front of the M4 GT3, at least in the sketch, it looks pretty cool. Like the, the, the two massive kidneys. I mean, obviously, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. Um you know, when the final production car is revealed, but, you know, so far, I don't think it's going to look that bad. I think it's going to be 
shocking at first. I think it's going to take some adjustment. I think a lot of BMW enthusiasts are going to have to adjust to this new grill. But, uh, you know, I, I think it's going to be, I think once that adjustment period is over, I think we're all going to like it quite a bit. I think they're going to be cool looking cars. And what I like and what Marcus Flash said to us, and I think this was important, is that they wanted to distinguish the M versions from the standard uh, you know, production series BMWs. And I think that's important because it makes the M version seem more special. It makes it seem a little bit different. And even though it's just visually, um, there's just a visual difference, I think that that distinction is important, and I, I think it's a good idea. Now, where I think BMW made a bit of a mistake is putting that giant grill on the regular 4 Series as well. Like, the 4 Series will have the gigantic new grill, but the 3 Series won't. Yet, both the M3 and M4 will get the massive grill. So they're distinguishing the M3 from the 3 Series, but not so much the M4 from the 4 Series, and that seems a little bit odd to me. Like the four, 3 and 4 Series should both have regular grills, and then the M3 and M4 should have the giant ones. At least that's my thinking, but, you know, I don't run a multi-billion dollar car company, so what the hell do I know? Now, I know we're all kind of, you know, really impatiently waiting uh, to see the next M3 and M4, and we'll see it sometime in 2020. Uh, when, I don't know, I, I don't have any answer for you, but, um, we will see what they look like, and we will get to learn about their specs and all that, because they'll be revealed in 2020. However, production won't start until November, November of 2020 for the M4, which means deliveries won't start until 2021, um, and, you know, we don't know exactly when, but it's going to be market by market when they start to get delivered, but production starts November 2020. Now, I don't have any concrete answer on whether or not that's for both the M3 and the M4 production 2020. I believe it is, but I, I'm not going to say for certain because I don't want to give you, you know, any absolutely incorrect information. But I believe production is tw November 2020 for both the M3 and M4, despite the fact that the uh, 3 Series debuted significantly earlier than the 4 Series, which still hasn't debuted yet. Um, so... Despite that, I think we're going to have to wait a little bit longer for the M3, um, you know, versus the 3 Series than we will for the M4 versus the 4 Series. <clears throat> but either way, I think it's going to be really exciting to see them both. Uh, really exciting cars. You know, the M3 is the first time in history that it's going to have two different powertrain options um, from the get-go. And it's going to be the first time in history we'll have two different drivetrain options. So there will be the standard M3 and also the M3 competition and the standard one will be rear-wheel drive and the competition will be all-wheel drive and the standard will have a manual option or an automatic if you want while the competition will only be automatic so the standard M3 will be like the purists M3 you know uh, it'll have rear-wheel drive and a manual whereas the competition is for just outright numbers performance you know automatic all-wheel drive all that stuff so that's pretty cool but forget future products forget the modern stuff I want to talk to you a little bit about something that I actually stumbled across over the past couple of days. And it's not that I stumbled across it because it's not like something I didn't really know, but it's something that really surprised me after I like did some digging in the past couple of days. And that's the 6 Series Grand Coupe. And what surprised me is just how cheap it's gotten. Now, I've known it was a pretty good used buy over the past couple of years, but it's crazy cheap on the used market. I mean, you can get a really, really nice... 6 Series Grand Coupe for anywhere between 20 and 50 grand. And to me, 
in the states i don't know you know i'm not going to talk about other markets because i just don't know the value in other markets you know in other countries with different currencies but here in the u.s you can get a really nice sixer grand coupe for like under 50 grand and i'm not talking about like a 640i i mean yes there are a lot of those but you can get m6 grand coupes for under fifty thousand dollars with good mileage and in good condition to me that's insane in fact, I limited my search uh, on cars.com to within 100 miles of my house, and I live in, like, normal suburbia, New Jersey. Um, so it's not like I'm in, you know, Manhattan or Chicago or something where there's high-priced exotics everywhere. Uh, but just, you know, there's 100 miles of my house, and I found several M6 Grand Coupes for under $50,000, and even an Alpina B6 Grand Coupe. That's, I'm not, I didn't stutter. Within 100 miles of my boring, plain town, New Jersey, I found an Alpina B6 Grand Coupe with good miles for under $50,000. To me, that is the deal of the century. If I could afford a $50,000 Alpina B6 right now, I would absolutely go out and buy one. The 6 Series Grand Coupe, to me, is one of the prettiest cars in modern BMW history. I think the 8 Series Grand Coupe is a little bit better looking, to be honest, but still, the 6 Series Grand Coupe is just such a beautiful car, and... It drives fantastically, and every iteration of it, and talk about, I mean, the Alpina is just the, the pinnacle of it, too, like, you know, crazy luxury, brutally fast. I mean, for under 50 grand, the Alpina B6 is a 540 horsepower, because the one I saw was 2015 model, so it's 540 horsepower, twin turbo V8, in that gorgeous, gorgeous body, with a beautiful interior, and it's an Alpina, so it's incredibly rare, but they sell 15 in the U.S. total, like, it's crazy. You know, obviously that was an exaggeration for anyone who's going to, you know, flame me in comments. But, um, yeah, they, they sold, like, none of them in the U.S., and I happened to find one under 50 grand within my area. Like, that's insane to me. And M6s, I'm, ta- I'm talking M6s. So, talking 500-plus horsepower in a twin-turbo V8 in a gorgeous package with M credentials. You know, it's a proper driver's car for, like, $42,000. With good miles. I'm not talking cars, you know, like a 2015 with 120,000 miles. I'm talking like good miles, you know, like 50, 40, 50,000 miles. Like, to me, that is just a wild, wild deal. And it's, it has to be the best used car or the best used BMW on the market right now. I mean, where can you get that value? And 640i models, the 640i Grand Coupe, which to me is better than the 650i. I found some of those too. But I actually like the 640i better than the 650i because it's not really that much slower, but it feels a little more nimble. So, plus it has that great, you know, inline six. And who doesn't love a great BMW inline six? But the 640 models, I found, for, some of them I found for under $30,000. That is insane to me. Like, you can get a six, turbocharged six-cylinder 640i Grand Coupe for less than a bone standard BMW 330i with a four-cylinder. Actually, I found some that are cheaper than the BMW, like, X1. That is insane. And I don't know why they've depreciated so much. I mean, it's not like they're super unreliable. I mean, they're an expensive German car. Like, they're gonna be expensive to maintain without a warranty. But, you know, I, I don't see any real red flag here. I don't know why uh, they've depreciated so much. Maybe it's just the, the odd design. Like, I think it's a gorgeous design, and I, I know a lot of enthusiasts share that opinion. 
but I don't think maybe the general public loves the design, so maybe that's why they've depreciated in value, but that that's great. They're lost. Screw them. <laughs> it's a great-looking car, and it's a fantastic driving car, and that's another big reason why it's so, such a great value. It's one of the better driving BMWs in a really long time. Like, that wasn't a great era for BMW, like that 2000 to two, or 2006 to 2000, like 15 era of BMWs. You know, you had the F10, um, maybe not 2006, maybe a little bit later. So like 2011-ish, you had the F10 uh, 5 Series and stuff like that coming out that just, the F33 Series, just cars that weren't really loved by BMW enthusiasts. And then the 6 Series Grand Coupe came along and it was like a revelation. People were like, wow, this is a really, really, really great car. And it's really lovely to drive, especially the M6. I remember it was getting heaps of praise. People were saying like, wow, it feels like a real BMW again. And a big part of that is hydraulic steering. The 6 Series Grand Coupe was one of the last BMWs to offer hydraulic steering, and it did so only on X-Drive models, which is odd. So BMW's electric power steering assist at the time wasn't compatible with X-Drive in the 6 Series Grand Coupe, and I think that had to do with packaging, maybe it just didn't fit or something like that. So they had to fit hydraulic steering, and that actually made it feel better. Downside of that was that you couldn't have gotten it with... um, rear wheel steering at the time it wasn't an option available for x drive because it wasn't compatible with the hydraulic steering you couldn't get hydraulic steering and rear wheel steering so you had to pick or choose did you want rear wheel drive which is you know the more enth- typically the more enthusiast based drivetrain um rear wheel drive and rear wheel steer which makes it more nimble or do you want x drive and the hydraulic steering and i'm gonna go with the latter the x drive and the hydraulic steering because you know bmw's x drives you don't really honestly notice that it's all-wheel drive because it's mostly rear-wheel drive almost all the time. And it's a rear bias system, so it's going to send more power to the rear unless it really, really absolutely has to split it 50-50 or something. So to me, give me the better steering and the better traction in bad weather. Um, to me, that's the home run. So find some X-Drive 6 Series Grand Coupe models. You'll find some crazy values, and it's well, well, well worth your time looking into, especially if you're like already in the market. For a used BMW, you know, you want a BMW, you don't want to spend brand new money, um, you know, maybe certified pre-owned, you know, CPO. That's a that's a great, great, great avenue for anyone looking for a cool used BMW. I, in fact, I would say make that your first choice. I would put that right at the tippy top of your list if you're looking for a used BMW because I don't see a better value in the BMW world at the moment. Now I want to jump to a different topic. Um, I know we're kind of slamming through these topics tonight but i'd like to switch to a different topic because it's one that caused quite a bit of controversy on our site uh over the past like few days i think we've had like a record amount of comments uh in such a short amount of time and that is i want to talk about the audi rs6 avant and i personally wrote an article uh the other day that said that i nico not everyone else at BMW Block, just me, that I would like to buy an Audi RS6 Avant, and I would buy one over an M5, and I don't think I would hesitate to do so. And that seems to have pissed off a lot of BMW fans. Now, and I think I think the problem was, and I made myself very clear in the article, I'm not going to walk back anything I said in the article. I am not going to uh, retract anything because what I said was very clear. Anyone who didn't hear it that way, that's on you. 
you know, I was I made myself very clear, and that is that I do not think that the RS6 is a better car than the M5, at least not right now because I haven't driven the RS6. Um, I love the M5. It's actually one of my favorite cars on sale right now. And if the RS6 Avant wasn't coming out in America, it would be my choice for a daily car in that price bracket. I think the new M5 is a brilliant, brilliant car. Um, and I've only driven the standard one. I haven't even driven the competition one yet. Um, but the, the standard M5 is a brilliant car. I mean, it is crazy rocket ship fast. I mean, it's, it's possibly the fastest car I've ever driven. And yet it's unbelievably comfortable. It's luxurious. Uh, it handles really well. It's, it's fun. It's exciting to drive. You know, it has that like BMW magic of being fun to drive. It's just an excellent, incredible car. I mean, I took a couple of family members in the car. Uh, I remember, I forgot what holiday it was that I had the, um, the M5 as a test car for, I had it over a holiday weekend and a couple of family members were over and I took them for a ride and I genuinely scared the hell out of them with how fast it is. And all I did was in a like private road where there wasn't any other traffic, just launched it to 60 miles an hour and they, and then hit the brakes from 60 to zero and it looked like they were going to lose their lunch. You know, it's a brilliant car. I really do adore that thing. But to me, the Audi RS6 Avant is a better package for my life. And I laid that out in the article that, you know, it has basically as much power as the M5. You know, like, I think it has nine fewer horsepower than the M5, but it's got a lot more torque, at least on paper, because, you know, the Germans underrate everything. So the BMW's power is underrated. The Audi's going to be underrated. So at least on paper, because that's the concrete stuff we can go from. Uh, the Audi has basically the same amount of horsepower, but more torque. Uh, Audi claims a 0 to 60 time of like 3.6 seconds, which is a lot slower than the 3.2 seconds of BMW's claim time. Um, even though we've seen the M5 nail 60 in like 2.8 seconds. So we know that BMW's time is, you know, a little conservative. And so that means Audi's probably will be too, but 3.6 seems like surprisingly slow. But honestly, it doesn't matter. At that point, you know, in a car that big and luxurious, even 3.6 seconds to 60 is crazy fast. I mean, it's a really, really fast car. And I think the Audi R6 looks better than the M5. I really do. It's an awesome looking car, especially in person. It's just so aggressive and beefy and powerful. And BMW enthusiasts find it to be good looking too, because when it first came out, you know, we wrote articles like, this is the new R6 Avant. It's going to compete with the M5. Just that sort of article. And it got tons of positive feedback from BMW enthusiasts. And it's getting tons of positive feedback everywhere. You know, you go and you read the reviews and you watch the videos. It's a really good car. It looks great. It handles great. It's really fast. And it's a wagon. And that's, to me, the coolest thing in the world. It's just, it's a brutally fast 600 horsepower, all-wheel drive wagon that I can stick my family in, I can put my dog in the trunk, we can go on vacation, we can take road trips everywhere, you know, I can use it as a daily practical car, it can go get groceries, it can go do all the daily stuff, but then when a windy road comes along, it can tackle it like a supercar, you know, that sort of stuff to me is just so great, and like, I don't know if anyone listening has children, but I have a young son, and young children have a ton of crap, the car seat's huge, there's a stroller in the trunk, you know, they have the diaper bag, and there's all sorts of crap that comes with a kid. My family's only three plus a dog. You know, it's me, my wife, my son, plus a dog. Um, and even that, even and even without the dog, you know, we fill up our Jeep Grand Cherokee, like our, we have a 2014 Grand Cherokee, we fill that thing up pretty damn easily, you know? 
So the idea of a wagon to me is so attractive that, you know, to me, I would buy the RS6 Avant over the M5 simply for that. Now, will the M5 have slightly sweeter steering? Probably. I mean, typically BMWs do. I'm not going to say anything definitive because, again, I haven't driven the RS6, so I won't say for sure. Um, but yeah, it will probably steer a little bit sweeter. It's a rear-wheel drive nature. Like, it's more rear-drive bias. will make it probably maybe handle a little bit better, but I will say the RS6 also has a rear-drive bias. Yes, it's all-wheel drive, and yes, the A6 is front-wheel drive-based, but for RS duty and the way quattro wheel drive systems work, uh, it is rear biased. So, and it has an optional rear diff, like a, a limited slip rear diff. It's electronically controlled. So it does have a lot of cool handling tech. It also has um, a Audi's dynamic ride control, which uses hydraulically linked uh, cross-link suspension, just like a McLaren. You know, so it, it does handle really well. It's a really impressive car. Might it not be as pure or as delicate or as tactile as an M5? Sure, maybe. I don't know. But we're talking small differences here. And at that point, they don't really matter to me. What matters to me is the overall package. I think the RS6 looks better. It's more spacious. It's just as fast. And I like its interior better. So to me, I would buy one, even if it's not quite as brilliant to drive. Like if it's eight tenths as brilliant to drive as the M5, I'm still taking it. You know, I've driven the A6, I've driven other RS cars. I know, I have a general idea of what it's going to feel like. And it's not going to feel bad. It's not going to drive poorly. So, you know, I can put two and two together and realize that the RS6 Avant is the car for me if I had that kind of money. And I want to stress that. I'm buying neither. <laughs> I don't have six figures to buy either of those cars. So it really doesn't make a difference. I'm just stating the fact that for me, personally, the RS6 is the better overall package. I still love the M5. I think it's a brilliant car, and I would love to own one. I really would. But if I had the money, I'd go RS6. And I want to stress, I'd go RS6 over even the Mercedes E63 wagon because I think it looks better, and I just think it's cooler. You know, the E63 is awesome, but I think that the RS6 is cooler than the E63, and its wagon nature makes it a little bit cooler to me than the M5. Now, I'd also like to stress that one of the big reasons why I would do that is because the M5 doesn't come as a wagon. If BMW made an M5 Touring, which it should, um, I would probably go M5 Touring over the RS6 Avant, simply because of the fact that I do think the BMW will probably drive a little bit better. It also has a two-wheel drive mode that makes it sort of a psychopath, and that's pretty cool too. Um, but it's just also, an M5 Touring is a really cool idea. You know, they've only made a hand, like, I think two, actually, in the history of the M5. They've done the E34 Touring and the E61 Touring. Um, you know, those two M5s had wagon versions, and they were both awesome. They are both sensational cars. So, I would love for an M5 Touring to exist. I would probably pick that over both the AMG and the Audi uh, if they made it. But they won't, so I can't. <laughs> so, I don't know what all the fuss is about with that one. Also... I got a lot of comments saying that the Alpina B5 Touring exists, and that's true. It does, and it's an amazing car, and I would pick that in a heartbeat over almost anything on Earth just because it's an Alpina and a wagon and crazy fast, but not available in America, folks, and that's where I live, so I can't buy one. Even if I had the money, I can't, so I can't choose it, and it's not in the equation at all, so if it's my money, for me, I'm still going RS6 because it's the best car 
of what's available for me in America, again, if I had the money, which I don't. So it was a hypothetical argument, and people got mad at me for hypothetical argument, and it was pretty interesting. Now, I want to say that, um, you know, I, I understand why a lot of people were a little bit inflammatory with me, and that's because the M5 is a great car, and they thought that I was saying the R6 is going to be better than it when it comes out, and that's not what I was saying. Again, I stand by what I wrote. What I wrote was very clear, that I like the overall package of the RS6 Avant. Um, I like it better than the overall package of the M5, simply because it's a wagon, and it looks awesome, and it is super fast. I also stated, I do love the M5. Again, I'll reiterate that for the millionth time. I do love the M5, but BMW doesn't make an M5 Touring, so, you know, I think that the RS6 is the better package. So that's it. So for any of, you know, you readers who got super mad at me, um, you know, just remember, it was my personal opinion. And I also want to state, uh, it's not the opinion of BMW Blog or any of the other writers from BMW Blog, because Horacio doesn't agree with me. He doesn't. He would absolutely choose the M5 over the R6 Avant. And that's perfectly fine. I'm not saying he's wrong. I'm not saying that, you know, he would make the wrong choice or that's the wrong car or that the, the you know, it's better than the R6 or whatever. I'm not saying anything. You know, he likes that better. I like the idea of the R6 Avant better. That's just me, you know? And I'm not saying I would pick every Audi over every BMW by any means. I'm just saying that the one car I like a lot. <laughs> and I don't see what's so wrong about that. I do want to talk, though, briefly about BMW not making an M5 Touring. And I think that it's a bit silly for them not to. And the reason why is that one, the M5 Touring was a pretty popular car when it was sold. You know, I think it did pretty well. The, M the E34 and the uh, E61 M5 Tourings, I think, did pretty well. They're also really sought after right now. Um, but also, this new M5, like, there's never been a better M5 for a wagon. Like, I get that M people are like, oh, well, you can't have a wagon because it's about motorsport performance and all that. Yeah, I get that. But the M5 weighs like 4,500 pounds and is all-wheel drive and has more leather than a freaking cattle farm and, you know, it plays artificial sound, exhaust sound through its speakers. It is the least pure M5 in history. It's amazing. I think it's an incredible car and I love it. But it is the least motorsporty M5 in history. It is the most comfortable. It is the most luxurious. It is the most practical. Um, it is the most all-weather capable it is the most high-tech. It's screaming for a Touring Edition. I mean, it's perfect. It's perfectly set up for a M5 Touring to come back, and they just won't do it for some reason. I think it's stubbornness. I don't. I think it's a bad idea, especially when you have both Mercedes-AMG and Audi doing the very thing that BMW refuses to do. Um, you know, you have those two massive car companies, and it's, and its main rivals doing something and it just refuses to compete and i think that that's silly i think it's silly that bmw won't make an m5 touring and like they're not even keeping the door open they're not even saying well maybe we'll do one in the future if customers want it they're just flat out saying no and i think that that's a bad idea and it also kind of not that it turns me off from the m5 but it's like you look at all right so my argument for the r6 well at least one of my arguments for the r6 was okay audi has the balls it's brave enough to bring the RS6 Avant to America, where wagons are almost hated. You know, no one buys fast wagons in America. Nobody. 
If Audi sells five of these things, I'll be impressed. But they bring it here anyway. And that, to me, is awesome. They're saying, we hear you, enthusiasts. We're going to do you a solid. We're going to bring over a car that only a handful of people will want. But those handful of people will be so damn excited that it's here. That it will not only make you happy, but it'll make you like the brand. You know, they're buying brand cachet with that. They're buying brand prestige with that. And that's important. I think that's really, um, you know, I think it's a really cool thing that Audi's doing. And the same with Mercedes AMG. You know, they'll probably sell, maybe they'll sell a little bit more than the RS6 because, you know, a lot of Mercedes, like older Mercedes customers like wagons. So maybe they'll sell a little bit more of those. But still, neither of them are going to sell well. Neither of them are going to sell a lot or make any money at all. So to me, I commend both brands for being brave enough to bring those two cars here. And then you look at BMW and like, nah, we're not doing the M5 Touring. It just seems kind of stubborn and like, I don't know, it just, it, there's something about it that turns me off a little bit. And it's, it's a little annoying to me that such a great car, the M5 is such a brilliant car. And the way it's finally set up now is just screaming for a Touring Edition and they just won't make it. So that to me is silly. So that was another one of my arguments in the article for the RS6 is the fact that Audi is brave enough and BMW isn't brave enough uh, to sell something that probably won't sell well, but will do well with enthusiasts and kind of buy a little bit of, you know, brand reputation. Um, You know, so to me, that was cool of Audi to do. And uh, it's cool that AMG does it. And I'm just disappointed that BMW doesn't do it because I think the M5 Touring would be brilliant. Actually, I know the M5 Touring would be brilliant because the Alpina B5 Touring is absolutely brilliant. So... I mean, Alpina's brave enough to do it. They won't bring it to America because, like, they would probably not sell one in America. So I kind of get why Alpina won't do it. And plus, they're really, really small, really, really small companies. So they don't even financially can't even afford to do that. But uh, it's proof that the M5 Touring would work really well. And it's a shame BMW won't make it. Okay, so that's all the topics we have for today. Uh, you can feel free to flame my email at nico at bmwblog.com if you think that I'm a crackpot for wanting the RS6 over the M5. Uh, I'm fully okay with that, so shoot away. Um, but now it's time to ask or answer some questions that were asked. And again, we only have one uh, reader who asked me anything, uh, but again, several questions. So I'm going to answer those now. And again, remember to ask me questions at nico at bmwblog.com. That's N-I-C-O at BMWblog.com. So, reader Joey Burgard asks, uh, well, he says that he likes the M3 and M4 grills, the new ones, the gigantic ones, uh, more than most and wants to know when we'll actually see the full reveal. Well, again, I answered that a little bit earlier in the the podcast, saying that they will be revealed in 2020, but production won't start until November 2020. But, you know, I actually agree with you as well, Joey. I think they look better than most people seem to think. Uh, Maybe we're both in the minority on that one, but I I do believe that they're not as horrific as some people claim. I do think they're shocking, though. So I I will say that it takes a little bit for them to grow on you because it's a bit of a shock. But uh, I agree they're better than they... uh, They're better looking than what most people say, but we won't be able to see them until later 2020. Now, he also asks a very interesting question. He asks, um, how close do, will the M3 and M4 grill designs be to the 3-liter CSL homage from 2015? Now, if you look at that car, um, the grills are pretty huge. And I remember when that came out, 
everyone was like, wow, this that's an awesome looking car. We wish BMW would make that. It's fantastic looking. And now, uh, you know, you look at it and you go, oh, wow, the grills on that thing are basically just as big as what we're going to see on the M3 and M4. We're mocking the M4, but we love that thing. Uh, you know, I wonder what's that, what that's all about. It's a bit interesting. Uh, but I think that, I, I don't think they're going to look similar to that so much. Um, they may be similar in size, but shape-wise, they're not going to look anything like that uh, on the M4. But it does bring up an interesting point that the size of the grills isn't really that big of a deal because people loved it on the CSL concept, um, but seemed to hate it on the M4. And I think that the reason they don't like it on the M4 is they haven't seen the whole car yet. I mean, the Concept 4, if you looked at it, if you, if you ch chop the front end off, the rest of it looked fantastic. It was a gorgeous-looking car. So I think when we see the M4, even with the giant grills, we're going to say, wow, that's a really good-looking car because the rest of it's going to be really good-looking. We've seen spy photos already. We've seen you know, camouflage photos already. Just its profile alone, just its shape. Forget the, the, you know, the lines are in. Just the shape is fantastic. It looks really, really good so far. So I think that we're going to... I think it's going to be better, uh, you know, better received than, you know, maybe some enthusiasts are kind of claiming right now because the overall car is going to be better looking than uh, we think. At least that's my opinion. And the three-liter CSL homage is a good uh, example of that because the, the whole car is gorgeous. If you look at it, it's a beautiful-looking concept. It just has gigantic grills, and I actually don't think they look bad at all. I think they look really good. Um, but even if they did look bad, the whole like even if you don't like them, the entire car is so pretty that I think people can overlook the front end. So I think the same is going to apply to the M4, where the whole car is going to be so pretty, people will overlook the fact that its grill design is a bit controversial. So, you know, that's that's my opinion. And a, and a good question. I'm glad you brought that up because I didn't remember that that concept had such big grills. So it's good that you brought that up, and I appreciate that. And then he goes on to thank. Uh, the BMW blog team and uh, our podcast. He said, really enjoying it. Um, and we really enjoy doing it. Again, this is episode 9. We're almost at 10. You know, we're almost at 10. It's kind of exciting that uh, we've gotten this far. <laughs> it's not very far, but we have gotten this far. And it's exciting. And I'm glad, you know, our listeners are enjoying it. And uh, again, we have some more really good stuff coming. So please listen in the coming weeks. You know, we have... We're going to have guests lined up. I, again, I, we're trying to schedule, you know, iron out some details with scheduling, so I can't give you any definitive dates or, uh, you know, definitive uh, guests that are going to be on. But we're trying to work some stuff out. So please keep listening in the future, and we'll have some more good stuff for you. Uh, thanks for listening, and see you next time.